0: Better run till the top blows off Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox Time to break him down like a jaw on a blow pop Don't stop, they're in need of it though Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow New wave, new age, new way to see bro Now one truth, life, one way to his throne And with bruised feet your body is battered you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder sit back and hold fast to messiah matters it's all grace till the half goes off takes better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a jaw full of botox Tryna to break him down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see growth now one truth life one way to a throne Bet you feel weak, and your life is in tatters. With bruised feet, your body is battered. You can't reach, trying to climb up that ladder. Sit back and hold fast to Messiah matters.
1: Wednesday February 15th 2023 this is Messiah Matters number 419 producing this show on the fly
2: my name is Caleb Haig. and I had the joy and privilege of having oatmeal for breakfast with two of our producers who were coming through town
0: oh
2: and so thank you to the L's for the nice I think we had probably a good two-hour chat it was great
1: this is way too long of an I'm intro. I'm that off by the there way. There you I
2: go.
1: Um, to, to, answer the, the to answer the question in the chat room, yes, you can uh, go to messiahmatters.com, go to about this show, and you can find the music. And uh, yeah, I'm going to actually bring this down. And if you want to here.
2: learn the rap, you can read the, the text of the rap itself.
1: Yes. The original, the original text. The original text. Yes, this uh, the music was produced. Uh, the intro music with the rap was produced by me and then my good friend Ben, and then uh, uh, who used to be. By the way, I, I don't think a lot of people know this. Uh, ben used to be a very uh, a famous musician and rapper. Um, and, uh, did very well for himself, made a living, uh, traveled quite a bit. He was not a believer and, uh, his music, uh, I would link his music, but his, uh, his old music is very, uh, is rife with, uh, with profanity and content that would not be appropriate for just about anyone. And then, uh, he was coming home from a show, his testimony is amazing. He was coming home from a show and felt like the Lord, t- uh, kind of grabbed him and said, Hey no, you're not going to do this anymore. So he went home and confessed all this stuff to his wife. His wife left him and he turned to Christ and now he makes music for for Jesus. He's, he's amazing. He's yeah, really good. Uh, and really very, very talented. So anyway, okay. Um, yeah, what's up everybody. I want to welcome everybody in the chat room. It looks like we have a decent showing already, which means we'll probably have a, a very good showing by the end of the end of the show. We, might we even have, have 36. We might. We had um we had some interesting back and forths this week. We were going to talk we were going to talk about uh the Super Bowl commercial that I'm sure everyone is is uh, bristling about and wondering about, which is he he gets us, right? We were going to talk about that and we and we had that down in the show description all that kind of stuff. But um he uh, the, I, I started looking at some videos. There's been a lot of interaction with the, uh, people talking about these things. I think there's more to the story than, and more to, uh, more to talk about than what we were prepared to talk about. And so uh, we decided, hey, let's punt that for another time and we'll talk about something even more interesting. And as we often do with Mystery Bible Theater 3000, Rob is coming into this show semi-blind he doesn't know what the main topic's going to be. Only I do. That's always fun. So,
2: well, Rob okay. is fun. already
1: blind, so this <laughs> even is even double blind. Yeah. Okay. Before we jump into any topics, uh at torresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. That is how you can email us. I keep looking down at my other screen. I have two screens in front of me, by the way, so I'm trying to produce on two separate screens. Anyway, um, so that is our email address. You can also sh- uh, call our comment comment line man I can't talk 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Sometimes I play the music so much the 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 uh, phone number music so much that I think we just need a break. And so I'm waiting. I'm just waiting until everyone is is really wa- thirsty. They really want the the music the, this, the phone music again, and then out of nowhere, boom, that's when you're going to get it. That's when you're going to, that's when you're going to hear that music again. Uh, as I've already mentioned, you can find stuff on um, messiahmatters.com, stuff like our intro music. You can go listen to that and I believe you can download it as well. You can find lyrics to our intro music. You can find all sorts of merch, including new hats. I still have not put up a zipper. Uh, hoodie yet and that has been asked for. Maybe we will do that uh, for the coming quarter. Um, You can become a producer. You can become an executive producer, associate producer, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, let's take this down real quick and we'll bring up our executive producers. Thank you everyone who produces this show. We are truly grateful. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, This from Malachi. Now, this is a rather long email, and I don't think I'm going to, I don't know how much of this I'm going to read, but uh, we'll 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 talk about this nonetheless. Malachi writes in, he says, we know that the master kept some variations of what might be termed rabbinic and pharisaical customs and traditions. Okay. Before we jump into this, actually, let me just say there has been some accusations of my theology in the past week. And those accusations come from certain people who obviously have not taken the time to listen or read or understand uh, my position, which is fair. I understand people are busy and I understand that people don't uh, always, uh, you know, feel like jumping down rabbit holes that they might disagree with. Okay, so that's that's totally fine. Uh, However, I will clarify. My position, I believe this is Rob's position as well. Correct me if I am wrong, Rob. I know that this is also my father's position. I believe now we have been very critical of certain parts of uh, rabbinic Judaism uh, on the show, especially Kabbalah and whatnot. But we're also critical of those who read back into the first century rabbinical works, such as the Talmud and the Mishnah. And what what I mean by read back into is, are there things that are in the Mishnah that we see in the apostolic scriptures in the New Testament? I would say the answer is sure. But that doesn't mean that they got them in the New Testament from the Mishnah. What it means is that the Mishnah was written 400 years later, they could have looked at the New Testament and said, hey, we're going to say that we had it first. That's a possibility. It could be that that was an established tradition that now is carrying over and they're writing about it in the Mishnah. That's another possibility. Um, There's all sorts of different possibilities that go on, but the Mishnah and the Talmud are later works, and they reflect a historical... A uh, problem that is happening in the time that they are written, which is that Judaism is under attack and they are trying to solidify various Jewish customs, Jewish codify, even a code. Thank that, you. It's yeah. It's like a
2: code of a code of identity.
1: Right. Exactly. And so to re- when we say read back into the first century, what we mean is you can't just say, oh, yeah, the Mishnah was around in the first century or look in the Mishnah and see what we have here. They're talking, you know, clearly this was what Yeshua was talking about. It would be the other way around. Yeshua is talking about this. Therefore, the Mishnah talks about it. Now, what does that say for the Mishnah and the Talmud? And I was accused this week of saying that the Mishnah and the Talmud have no place in history, in our study of the Bible wow. and history. That is absolutely not true at all. I use the Mishnah and the Talmud often to see what the prevailing Jewish view was of something in the fourth century and beyond. Now that doesn't mean that I'm reading it back into the first century. However, there is another thing that we can do. We can look at uh, things in the the Mishnah and the Talmud, and those they're they're separated by quite a, a good amount of time as well. So. I, I would mainly say this for the Mishnah. We can look at things that are written in the Mishnah. We can look at things that are written in other historical books like Josephus, Philo, um, you know, some of the Church Fathers, things like this, and we can look at those, and then we can say, okay, so we have a witness in the first century, right, of, of the Gospels, and then it seems from all these other historical books that this was something that was happening in the first century. And the Mishnah also talks about that. So it looks like this tradition carried over or the people in the fourth century agreed with what was going on in the the first century. And so this can be another witness if you have multiple witnesses. But once again, you you have to say that that witness is late, right? It's not a a first century witness. So we have to use the, the Mishnah and the Talmud within their respective time, place, and historicity that's what we mean by we can't read the rabbinical works back into the first century. Rob, do you have anything to say about that before we move on because yeah, i think it's, I mean it's, I think this it's, an like, important point. it's
2: easy if I mean if we kind of forget the rabbinic text for a while and just say the Quran, let's say, or the Book of Mormon <laughs> so is it, it what's the is should I just tell people it's forbidden to read the Book of Mormon or it's forbidden to read the Quran, or do I say, look, if you want to read it, you need to, if you're a believer in Yeshua, you need to carefully differentiate between the ideology and the religious claims that the text is making about the world, about God, about God's people, about what true piety looks like. You have to differentiate those, the propaganda of the document And you could say okay no, i'm going to look at the book of mormon and this and we we touch on this in our critical issues class at torah resource institute is like well what we do is we look at the historical development in the colonial times you know before the establishment of the, of, uh, the united states and we look at the different uh, groups that were imagining the the different indian groups right or native american tribes as speaking some sort of lost Hebrew of, could these be the lost tribes? So in other words, this kind of rhetoric had been in the air for over a hundred years, maybe even 200 years before Joseph Smith writes the Book of right. Mormon. And then we also know that, that treasure hunting was a real big thing in the early 1800s, right? So, uh, so what we say is we, we then can look at the Book of Mormon as a product of a specific religious time and place. You know, heavily influenced on the King James Bible. And with the case of Joseph Smith, we can see that he wasn't a good Hebrew student, right? Because he had a right. we know he studied Hebrew and we have the comments of his teacher, right? So, so so we go, okay, so I can I can kind of see and actually appreciate, not not positively in terms of that it's revealed the word of God, because it's right. not, it's false right. prophecy, but I can properly put it in history. And I'll do the same thing for the Quran, you know, and we do the same thing for the Zohar. Right. And so, you know, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Same thing with Josephus, same thing with Philo. Some, some of these documents we we can learn a little bit more about Some some we can't, and that's the role of a historian. Uh, people who uh, want to understand history. That's, that's totally cool endeavor, but to sprinkle it with religious authority and say, okay, all of a sudden, you know, you better be careful about what you say about the Talmud, Caleb. Right. You know, those, them's fighting words, right? So, no, I mean, Caleb and I, as a Torah resource, we're clear on what we differentiate our faith claim as to what is Holy Scripture, and everything else isn't. And to us, that's crucial because Yeshua says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if, if your heart is, if, if your really heart is with Yeshua, if you love Yeshua, if you recognize that he is the only way, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and you want to have a leif tahor, you want to have a, a, a pure heart, you have to bring every thought into submission to Messiah. Yeah. You know, And that's, that's an important thing. And if you believe you're on that path, and you want to hold on to the Book of Enoch, for example, or the Mishnah, or the Talmud, then we're not going to have the same heart, you know, you and I. Right. Um, and that's between you and and uh, and your master, you know. By but, the
1: way, I, I think I think that we should also say uh, this. This is coming from a person who has uh, presented multiple papers at the Society of Biblical Literature on Midrash, and teaches a course on uh, rabbinic uh, rabbinic writings, right? Rob is very well versed in rabbinic literature, and uh, I've taken his course on rabbinic literature. And so this, it's, once again, this is we're not saying that these are things that shouldn't be
2: uh, shouldn't be studied. What we're saying is, is and that I'm they... not. And really, honestly, I'm not that smart. OK, it's just I'm a hard worker. No, seriously. But, uh, but I mean, I, I mean you, I, don't, I... you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You just have to that. The people, for example, with the Book of Enoch, I get to a point and and it's like, look, i don't know what to say it's like look i've i've taught hebrew greek and aramaic for years right i I teach the background of these literatures i've taught through the torah many times on in in local shabbat community and and have been by god's grace a, a lover of yeshua for my whole life right and the book of Enoch does nothing for me and i th- I, I consider it noise when i hear people coming and pushing it it's noise and and, and i just say you're going to have to you're going to have to work harder you know if you're if you want to convince me it, well you're not going to convince me but i and it sounds harsh but unless you until you do the time that there's no reason that i should respect your opinion if it's not based on facts you know you get, go out and do the work show yourself competent and then make your make your claims based on on some real competency rather than flashy sensationalist uh, I, claims.
1: I and, agree and with that's what the you, problem. I agree with what you're saying. However, back to the to rabbinical works, those who are who are having such a huge problem with our stance on rabbinical literature uh, are. I I believe that the reason that they are um, having such a difficult time with our stance is because they want to, whether they say it or not, they want to elevate the rabbinical works of the Mishnah and Talmud specifically, and, and maybe other rabbinical works. They want to elevate them to a status higher than historical literature. They want to elevate them right. to a place of, this should in some way, shape, or form, maybe in total, or maybe just a little so, bit. Okay, so should I understand should instru-
2: that. Instru- hang, on, hang on, should instruct our faith walk, right? That's, okay, go ahead. I understand that. And respect it if a person is an Orthodox Jew, right? In other words, that's in the same way that I respect if there's a Muslim who believes in the Quran, I can respect it as okay. That makes sense. That makes sense to me, right? Just on a natural level, it makes sense it's, to me. Yeah, it's your holy a book, person right? Who grows up in sure, you know, in the Middle East, and they grow up in a Muslim family, and they're taught that the Quran is is the revealed. Word, I, it makes sense that you would believe that. In the same way that it makes sense that if a person, like a third generation Mormon, grows up and they believe LDS and they're you know building their temple, you know and they're building one another one in Washington State now, right by the freeway, I understand it. I, I, it doesn't mean I I agree with it at all, but I at least I understand it. And and so if someone grows up in Israel Orthodox community and they believe the Zohar is 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 a hidden revealed the now revealed uh, revelation of Elijah, the prophet to Shimon bar Yochai. I understand it. I don't believe it for a minute, but I understand it. Okay. What I don't understand is rabbinic messianic Judaism. Agreed. That's the one I have no patience for messianic rabbinic Judaism because it's an invention. It's, it's people doing what you're saying. It's they're, they're claiming to be, informed by the scripture and, and by the gospel, by Yeshua himself. And they're trying to smuggle in these cherry picked uh, things from external sources. And then they're trying to sprinkle some sort of mosaic or revelation of Sinai authority onto them and then present themselves as rabbi, or we are the bet din of, of Yeshua. And it, it, I'm embarrassed it. it, Well, I'm not personally embarrassed. I just think how embarrassing, like in the long run that, that, that silly adventure is. Um, Okay.
1: Let's, let's, let's T, T, T and get back to,
2: we're getting into a half goes off here. So we're, better, we're, we're getting off into all sorts
1: all sorts of interesting places which is fine it's a good conversation I think honestly those kind of those kind of clarifications need to be had on a regular basis well, well here's that, it's, let me just say it one more way
2: it's Believers meddling in rabbinic texts that bothers me it's not it's not Orthodox Jews talking about their own texts right or it's I, you know Muslims talking about their own texts that's fine it's when you have Christians who are dabbling without actually learning the languages and the history, they start dabbling in all the English translations that are on the marketplace for them. So they're buying books from people. They don't even know, you know, in the problem with in, in, in the church or in in the Hebrew roots is they're willing to support someone like uh, Gordon, like uh, unbelievers who are, let me teach you about your Jesus. That doesn't make sense do you think a muslim would hire what would pay a christian author to come teach them about the quran when they don't believe like it's or or a or a uh a zen buddhist would pay like someone who's not a zen buddhist to come and teach them about oh teach us the truth of zen buddhism to get us even you know it just it doesn't work in the marketplace anywhere except here, it seems, where where you have and why is that? It's that because of the generations of dumbing down of Christianity. Agree. Okay. That's let's yeah.
1: let's let's go back to Malachi's question. So he says uh, let's, I'll read the whole thing again. We know that the master kept some variations of what we might be termed rabbinic or pharisaical customs and traditions, not a blanket statement for all or most traditions of the elders by any means. But I think we, uh, we and many scholars would agree the master kept participa- slash participated in some of them, those that didn't conflict with the Torah, prophets abuse and twist the mitzvot, etc. If we agree upon the above notion, then my question is this. Should we consider or possibly elevate those specific customs and only those specific customs the master kept as having divine status since the master himself participated in them? For example, uh, and he gives uh, an example of discipleship, like we don't see discipleship anywhere being uh, talked about specifically in the scriptures but he, he says, you know the, the Torah might allude to this. He gives another example, uh, the wine cup, and I think that this might get more to the point, the wine cup at Pesach, should this be considered or be elevated to divine status since the master partook in it himself? Okay. I think that this can actually be a somewhat quick answer to this question. Uh, my personal belief is this, if it's good enough for Yeshua, it's good enough for me, right? If, if the Lord did it, then certainly, uh, I, I think that we uh, are on safe ground if we do it as well. With that said, do I think someone is si- sinning if they don't have a cup of wine on at Passover? My answer to that would be no. What if the, and we could get into rabbinic like uh, 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 thought patterns on this. What if it's not wine? What if it's, what if it's grape juice? What if it's not juice at all? What if somebody has you know, water, but it's in a cup, like Christ had. Is that the same? So there's many levels to this. I think the, the that what Christ is saying when he says, do this in remembrance of me, is the Passover meal itself. And I think that that is in the Torah. It is commanded in the Torah. Um, now, certainly there are some passages where we see things that are commanded that uh, we don't necessarily see as Outright commandments in the Torah. However, I think we can see uh, throughout the Tanakh, the Old Testament, we can see various um, case laws for all of the thing, uh, all of the things that that Christ does talk about. So, for instance, uh, he says. Um, Uh, The Torah says, uh, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you lust after a a woman in your heart, uh, you're committing adultery. And some might say, well, that's a new commandment. But we see throughout the uh, Torah itself and throughout the prophets that we are to circumcise our hearts and that we are to, you know, stop bringing your stinking sacrifices, their extension, my nostrils. Why? Because it's it's a heart issue. So Christ is bringing out the truth that is already there. That would be my answer. I, 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 do you agree or disagree, Rob?
2: Uh, I think that if if we like, if we look at Yeshua's Passover supper as an institution where it says drink, you know, as often as you drink it, kind of thing, as sure. Paul calls it, then then that is a good thing. But that's not at all the same as the rabbinic insistence on wine in the Mishnah. Or being is that there is no obligation to drink wine at Passover that is not pointing to Yeshua's shed blood for the renewed covenant. In other words, in my view, if someone said, Oh, well, I keep the rabbinic Passover and I do all the wines, and you and you have no mention of Yeshua's shed blood for the for the Brit Hadeshah, then you've not fulfilled any, then having wine at Passover didn't benefit you at all, right? But just so the right. point is, yeah. and then back to, into the idea of of a disciple, discipleship model. Sure, right. the rabbis had a discipleship model, but so did the early church fathers, right? Like, um, who is the, who is the, uh, there's some, there's some second century authors, Polycarp, right? I think was a disciple of, of John, sure. if I remember. Okay. So, so just because there's a model of discipleship later in, that's kind of codified and memorialized in rabbinic texts, like in Mishnah Avod or, or even in the Zohar around Shimon Bar Yochai, that doesn't mean that therefore we're adopting the rabbinic picture of that. And I could I guarantee it's not the same because the, the ideology of rabbinic discipleship is that the rabbi has an authority that goes all the way back, traceable, all the way to Moses at Sinai, that was right. orally transmitted from generation to generation. And when you become a disciple, the Talmidei the disciples of the sages, are imagining themselves to be part of a curriculum of learning, learning to be transmitters of the oral revelation that Moses was given at Sinai. That has nothing to do with the ideology of Yeshua believers. So we have to, sure, there's times where you say, oh, you know, there's this, plus you have the the institution of the title rabbi, which we don't have right. that institutionalized in the first century. And As a matter of fact, in all of Jewish literature, John the Baptist and, and Jesus of Nazareth are the first two Jews in all history of literature to, to be given that title. So we could say that the later rabbis are copying them again. I, I think it, it was a- That's a common a term theme. Of, I think it was in a term of endearment, but it becomes institutionalized. And that's why Yeshua knew this was the case. And that's why in Matthew 23 he says, Don't be called rabbi. Right. Again, another another difficulty for those quote messianic rabbis, you know, that, that are confused and, and don't understand the difference between Judaism and Christianity. Um so this this is a, a an important topic. Um, there there are other really good traditions, like the names of the books of the Bible and the chapters and verses, right? Sure. The, the would I say those are God ordained? No, but they sure are helpful. Yeah, you know, yeah, they they sure are helpful. Yeah, um, so so those are traditions too that that emerged, and and you know we we have it every year when we read through the Torah portions. The, there are places in Exodus and elsewhere where the where the verses between like your Western Christian numbering and the the Jewish traditional numbering shift off a little bit. For the most part, they they have the same chapters and the same verses, with the, with a few exceptions. So. So are we gonna say that it's Christians? Is that a Christian tradition that was absorbed by Jews? Or is it a Jewish tradition absorbed by Christians? I think that was the the chapter numbers and verse numbers kind of emerged in, a, in an environment that where there were both Jews and Christians talking about the Bible a lot. And of course the the Masoretic uh, demarcation of the Sof Pasuk of the end of the verses was was part of that. But uh, and then and then another thing would is there a divine uh, revelation behind the order of the books of the Bible? Right, because they're no. different, right? Because they're different. Yeah, there's even in Judaism <laughs> yeah. they're different. Right, right. Yeah. It, the the Leningrad Codex has an order that is very different than than what's promoted promoted in the, the Talmud, and and so it, it shows and um, where Ruth goes, where Daniel goes, so, you know. The, is, is different this, in different traditions in the Jewish world alone.
1: This this reminds me of so you know, a lot of people think that we're just no rabbinic tradition at all. That's where we're coming from. That's not where we're coming from. But I always do find it funny when I when I meet people who think who say that they're, you know, I I had a guy recently say to me, "Well, I don't like following rabbinic tradition. I just like keeping the 613 commandments."
2: I was like, "Really?" Yeah, that's hmm. that's interesting.
1: Interesting. I wonder where you got 613 commandments, because even within rabbinic Judaism, that number shifts, right? There, 613 is not, it's all over the place. There, yeah, there's more and, and, and Yeah, they divide it up
2: differently, and Rambam lists them, and Rambam says, oh, he, he missed these, and those shouldn't be in there. You know, yeah.
1: So anyway, it just, yeah, I, I think that we, uh, I think that tradition is important. And I, I think that tradition comes, becomes especially important when you have children. And what I mean by that is that kids love tradition. They love to do things. You know, they love routine and, and to do things over and over again, and they get used to it. Uh, my son, uh, who is one of my sons, who is currently three, he has no clue what the song is that we sing in terms of if you ask him, what does this mean? He has no clue, but he can sing the prayer that we say in Hebrew uh, to sanctify the Shabbat because we sing it every single every single Friday night. And so... Though is that commanded? No, it's commanded to set apart the, the Sabbath, but it's not commanded to sing a little song. But my kids sure like it. Anyway, okay, let's move on. This we're going to move to our main topic because I don't know how much time this is gonna this is gonna take. It could take a lot of time. It could take no time at all, and then we'll just move on to a different topic. Okay, so uh, last week, no, a couple weeks ago. I think it was show four one seven. We talked about church, and I was saying that I go to a Sunday church. Um, They claim non-denominational, however, it's pretty clear they're they're Presbyterians, and uh, that's you know we've we've been very blessed to be there. I I say this in the short clip that that uh, this comment is on. This sparked some interesting conversation between me and uh, well several people actually uh, on on our YouTube thread. So Amber writes and she says, now I, this is a very long thread, I think there's 28 comments currently on just this comment thread uh, on YouTube. And so I had to pick and choose kind of what we were gonna look at, simply because uh, it was just gonna be way too long. So uh, I wasn't trying to take any out, but you can go look at that thread uh, if you want to on our YouTube channel. Okay, so Amber says, respectfully, I disagree, you do not Submit to church to a church, and this was uh, we were talking about church authority, and and should we submit to church authority? You do not submit to a church that is clearly breaking Yah's commandments, and I would not attend that church. Too many people are trying to mix paganism and Torah. It shouldn't be so. We are to pray for them to come into the truth, but as far as being a member and attending, no. Find a group that is more consistent with what you believe. Okay, now. There's gonna be a shift throughout this conversation uh, Amber's husband's gonna come to this conversation. he's gonna take up the torch and and uh, and uh, go to some specific theology. There's a shift that I think happens through this now i'm gonna I'm gonna play my I'm gonna show you my my hand before we well, play real this, quick, can I, this card yeah
2: that last statement I would just say you know find a group that is consistent with what you believe. That's a fair statement. Oh, the sure. question is what do we define as consistent what are, what's the core, and yeah. how do we define consistency? Exactly. So I'm not against that theoretically. I, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree.
1: Um, and you'll, I, I included my response uh, uh, comment here uh, next. But there is a shift now. I think that we have a little bit, and I, I don't. I'm not trying to be mean in any way, but I think that we might have a little bit of Torah terrorism going on here. And what I mean by that is, is Kind of like uh, the cage stage for Calvinists, right? Um, People come to Torah, and it is an amazing, wonderful shift in, in belief in theology, all of a sudden we feel, I, I felt this as well, we feel like the scriptures are opened up to us. We feel like all of a sudden things fall right into place and, and uh, so much more is understandable. All the books seem to flow and, and there's not nearly as much contradiction uh, within the, with not only the two testaments, the first, the, the first testament and the second testament, but just within books and theology in general, within the canon. Uh, and so I understand that completely. Um, but, and I also understand the pendulum swinging really far on one side. And I think the way that this pendulum is swung right now, possibly, and I could be wrong in this, is that, uh, if you're not keeping Torah, then you're not in. And we're going to see this throughout this conversation. So ultimately right now, what we're talking about is whether or not we should be fellowshipping, you know, what, what should we, where should we draw the line on fellowship? And I think that this comes, what this really comes down to is workspace salvation. I I know that might seem like a stretch, but let's keep going. So in response to Amber, I said this, I said, with all due respect, there is not a, there is not one congregation that keeps all of the Lord's commandments. This is one of the reasons the Torah talks about congregational, unintentional sin. And when I said congregational, I mean, unintentional sin of Israel, right? But we can say even just the ecclesia. According to your comment, you wouldn't be able to attend any congregation, right? Because all congregate, like I don't agree with any congregation fully. Do you? There, there's always going to be things that I disagree with on. And so back to Rob's point, I think Rob makes the point that I was essentially getting at, which is this. What are the core doctrines that we uh, agree on? You know, when I've been to, as I've uh, followed my father to his speaking engagements and uh, helped videotape and helped, um, you know, uh, just be at the conference, register people, all those kind of things. I've talked to a lot of people and I've seen a lot of different congregations throughout the United States and even the world. And one of the things that I can say is that many, many, many Torah-believing congregations are not strong on what I would consider to be foundational issues. And what I mean by that are deity of Christ, uh, you know, I would say sola scriptura. And then what is sola, what is scriptura rather, right? Oh, right, what, right exactly. what is the canon? These are issues that I think are foundational for our faith. And where I see the church in many cases, in most cases, being very strong on the foundational points and the Torah communities being very, not all we can't make a blanket statement there are many many wonderful torah keeping communities out there that are strong on the foundational issues as well but i would say more of the torah keeping communities are willing to, to waver on these foundational issues whereas many of the churches are not okay i'm going to should we read her response or do you want yeah, to yeah, jump in yeah no go ahead Okay. So uh, Amber then writes in again, and she says, I agree with you that there is no perfect church and not all churches keeps the commandments perfectly, but it would be better to attend an assembly that at least keeps the Sabbath and the dietary laws at the very least. It sounds like you are making an excuse to continue to go to a Sunday church. I understand it's uh, by the way, just, a I don't know if Amber, Amber probably doesn't know my story. In fact, it, it seems to me that, um, it seems to me that, that maybe this is uh, someone who just found our content. I don't know. Um, but I, I could be wrong on that as well, but I grew up going to a Saturday keeping a Sabbath keeping fellowship. I attended Uh, uh, Sabbath and commandment keeping fellowship that I helped pastor for nearly five years. Um, And then the Lord moved us out of that and has moved us to go to this church. And I do believe that is of the Lord. And uh, so are we comfortable with that? Not all the time. It is an uncomfortable thing to, to do, but at the same time, in terms of my my personal comfortability. I'm used to a Sabbath keeping fellowship. In fact, I'm, I'm used to a very synagogue traditional fellowship. Um, and when I say that, what I mean is when we go to, you know, when I was young, we used to go up to Seattle, we would visit non-believing synagogues. And those synagogues had the same liturgy and the same structure and many of the same elements that the synagogue, the Messianic synagogue I went to on a regular basis had they were very much the same. So that's what I'm used to. Sunday church is not something that is like, I'm not, it's not my comfort, comfortable zone. Anyway, back to Amber's comment. She says, I understand it's, uh, between you and YAH. However, you did make a public post. You shouldn't compromise. Shalom. Okay. Let's talk about this for a few seconds before we move on. Um, so compromise. I think that once again, going back to the notion of compromise, I think that we compromise. Well, it's not uh, on... like you're.
2: It, it's not like you stopped keeping Shabbat, right? So, okay, because there would be two ways of reading this. It's like, oh, Caleb, like abandoned the Sabbath, and now he's just like given in to Christianity, and so it's like someone could just say. Caleb you, you used to be salt and now you're you've lost your saltiness you're just going to be trampled on, on the street I don't but I don't think that's a fair that that's that's it's not accurate and it's it, it's a pretty shallow interpretation and and obviously so compromise would be applicable if that were the case I think compromise would be a fair term to use if that was the case but clearly you've said numerous times when it comes to around you know, Christmas time or Easter, you guys aren't participating in that. And that you've, you have come to your own way of, of, of shepherding your family in the midst of a very complex cultural world that we're in. But you have made it a priority to find ways to engage with people with whom you agree on really important core things. And that's what I think needs to be highlighted here. And I don't see, I don't think compromise is the right uh, term. It's not, I don't think it's accurate. I don't think it's helpful.
1: So, the, so I, I have a lot I want to say about that. But first I want to read the next question. Uh, another woman jumped in and, and uh, uh, said something and uh, Amber writes back, she says, it would be very confusing for children. I understand that they are teaching them the proper way to live, but it is hypocritical for them to take their children to a church that goes against everything that they believe. I am glad that there is somebody that agrees with me. Okay, let's stop right there. First of all, um, I think it's very important to note, and I noted this, that, the, that I don't believe, especially the church that we are attending, but I don't believe that the churches, uh, many churches, and I live in a very, very, very liberal area. Many of the conservative, many of the conservative churches uh, that that, that are around these parts, they might say that the Sabbath has been changed to Sunday. They might say that you don't have to keep a kosher diet because that was for a time. It's ceremonial or something to that effect. They believe the application has changed. But if you talk to them about um, lying, about cheating on their wife, if you talk to them about murder, if you talk to them about, I mean, go, uh, let's look at the the commands of Torah throughout, you know, the majority of the Torah, they, these churches would say, yeah, we should be keeping that. So right. I, I think that, that once again, this is a, this is a, um, this is a want to paint the church as all bad. And I don't, you know, we've fought really hard against that. Um, it's, it's, I think that the church does need to come to some new understandings about things like the Sabbath, about the festivals, about the kosher laws. But ultimately, um, I, I think that it's really a disservice to the body of Christ for us to throw the believers out because they reject three or four things that we think are very important. Now, are they important? Absolutely, I say this every time we talk about something like this. And Al in the chat room uh, puts in, and this is, where, this is really where I'm going with this conversation. Al in the chat room, he puts in First John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Ultimately, the question that I have for Amber and for others who hold to such a uh, position is this. Are the people in the church believers? Are they our brothers and sisters in Christ? And if the answer is yes, then we have to reassess the idea of them over there, us over here. And I think that this is I think that this is really important because Paul, if you look at what's going on in the Corinthian church, Paul doesn't say, hey, leave those people behind right? He's, he's pleading with them and he's talking about them coming together and fellowshipping together, even though horrible things have happened. Amber writes again and she says, I understand what you're saying. Where in the scriptures does it say that we are to associate with people that are blatantly being disobedient by not keeping the commandments? Now, this is a good point. And I, I think that Amber brings up some great points here.
2: Some of points a, that, she, that, But that's an evaluation of someone's heart right I, I, i'm not ready to say that now maybe she has her own experience i can respect that but in my experience it's more the struggle is with what people have been taught and believe to be true and but but at the same time i'm you're not going to find me going to a, a mormon church right but i'm not going to go to a just sabbath keeping group if they're like teaching Shapira and the Book of Enoch and right. that kind of stuff or Flat Earth or lost tribes or sacred name. So the point is, this is back to our we last couple of weeks we talked about Romans 14. Let it be that each one is is finding their own conviction, right? I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people wrestling through these issues and and not judging them if they come up on different different nuance. I think in the long run, what is godly wisdom will be evident to all. They'll be able to look back and go, wow, okay, here was the path of wisdom through here. And all these little break-off paths maybe had good intentions, but they were ultimately short-sighted and they, they didn't produce any fruit. Because it, um, it, Granted, we're dealing with a difficult issue, right? This is a difficult issue. It, it's it, time, it, Even if the church was completely unified... It's still a real difficult time to live and to and to stay concentrated on our faith because of all the craziness in the world. So I get I get the the underlying sense from is it Amber? I, I get the underlying thing. I think we can agree. Yeah, that it's diff, very difficult times. There's a lot at stake. There's anti God, anti Scripture. You know, woke culture just being. Hammered against us by like tsunamis over and over and over again, and that I also agree that it's super important for us to be clear on where the rock is, and to build yes. on the rock and not on the sand. I think yes. we, I think Amber and her husband would agree with us on that point. Oh yeah, but so ac- But when we start saying someone else is compromised or someone else is um, blatantly disregarding the revealed word of God, that, that it seems subtle, but I would just back off a little bit from that and say, okay, how many people have I built relationships with and, and had a genuine non-hostile discussion about something like the Shabbat and actually found out maybe some more nuance, you know, wow. Okay. So they, maybe someone's struggling, man, you know, I just never get any rest in this world, you know, you know, and, and they've been taught that Sunday and they, they thought the Sabbath was done away. They don't have a real good view of the Torah of Moses. Learning about someone's difficulties in life and say, hey, well, you know, there's the Bible has instruction for us, you know, of the value of differentiating work from rest regularly according to God's revealed calendar. And, and so there's there's other ways forward besides the charge of someone's compromised or someone has a blatant disregard. I'm not saying that never happens, because I'm sure it happens. And maybe in their experience, the the people who are sending this message, they've seen it firsthand, and it's undeniable. But I would just say, let's just tap the brakes and see that there's a broader sense of option of possibilities. We, I mean, we've met three
1: families at our church now that have in confidence said to us, we actually believe the Sabbath is on Saturday. And, wow. that we should be, and that we should be keeping it. Now, that might not be a lot for the size of the church, but to me, that says something. It says something of why we're there. So uh, ultimately, Amber gets to uh, these two comments. And I had asked about, well, do you believe the people in the church are your brothers and sisters in the Lord? Amber responds, she says, the church is in darkness. Yahweh has called us out of the darkness and into the light. Um, and she says truth as in like into the light, meaning into the truth, she goes on and she says, uh, I would, uh, uh, she says, uh, let me find they, they, that is those in the church are, uh, she says uh, a person who rejects the laws are not true brethren. And ultimately let's go back to what Josh said in the chat room. He said, I think that all of us in one form or another are blatantly disobedient. We're not better than the other. I totally agree with that. Anyway, back to Amber. She so, says...
2: It, Paul says, all have sinned and we've fallen, fallen short, short of the glory of God. So they, We're all she dependent said, on the grace of Messiah. We abide... Yeah. In, we, with, apart from Yeshua's grace, we can do no, no good. doesn't matter if you keep what you think is a perfect Sabbath. It doesn't impress God. I'm just wondering where... It, I mean, we
1: all came from somewhere. The majority of people in the Torah movement today, no matter what flavor of Torah movement you're in, the majority came from a Sunday church. They heard something, they saw something, somebody talked to them, somebody said something to them, and they started looking at the scriptures and the Lord had it click. But it wasn't just like one day all of a sudden, you know, people woke up and said, hey, you know what, let's just, you know, let's just... Scrap all this, and we're gonna we're gonna start going on Saturday to to church. I mean, something was said, so, something was revealed to them. Somebody was
2: instrumental in that. Right. Agreed. And and you know what, Ye, Yeshua? Why does Yeshua warn us? Remove the the log out of your own eye before you help someone else with the speck in their in their eye. Why so, does he say uh, that? Because we, we're we have to he teaches us time and time again to be suspicious of our own zeal yeah I, and i'm yeah. i'm speaking from my own shame oh yeah I mean, me too i was i was a, like, a terrorist I mean, right
1: here yeah, Tore, yeah so i i'm not for sure. i'm
2: not asking anybody to walk a path that that i'm not familiar with of my own you know so yeah, to be honest with you when it,
1: when when i was having this conversation with amber i th- th- i sat back several times and i thought you know lord am i really doing what i should be doing are we you know are we really in a place where that you've led us to or has it been something else but this is this is where the rubber meets the road here um she says they may not know the truth however a lot do and still refuse to believe. Hard to swallow, but it's scriptural. Yes, the church does oh. teach that the law is done away with. If you are saying that they, they are teaching that the law is good, then why aren't they keeping it? Now, I my response to, to this is application. At least the church that we go to, uh, they're Sabbatarians. They just believe that the church has has been shifted to Sunday. Uh, you know, they they believe in a lot of, I I think people would be kind of shocked, uh, at the amount, but that's neither here nor there. It's an application. The application has changed. And what I said in response to this specific comment was, so our salvation is based on us and on works. And this is where Amber's uh, husband, Anthony comes in. He says, this is Anthony. I would like to respond to your question by stating that yes, works are a part of salvation The context of Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 is about her past, not the future. Okay. I think it's interesting that Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 is brought up, not by me, but by Anthony. Um, But ultimately, my response to this was, okay, Uh, because I think that there is some category issues that we do have to talk about. I, I tend to agree that we are uh, that works are something that must be evident in the life of a believer. However, uh, I would say that justification is by faith alone. Now, people are going to take me to the James passage, right, where it says, therefore, we know that works. Uh, what is it? Hang on just a sec. I'll find it. Um... Uh, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. This needs to be taken uh, not only in the context of the James passage and his discussion of Abraham, but also in the context of the rest of the scripture. Now, I agree that our works do pour out of faith, right? Once we are justified, our our faith is uh, must be uh, come... In, in other words, when we say, yes, I believe, and, and I'll, I'll give an example of this. When we say, yes, I believe, and what does it mean to believe? to have faith. It doesn't simply mean to, I believe something is is the truth. It means following it, right? So in this, I agree with Anthony. And an example of this would be, and I brought this up to Brandon, who's in the chat room right now, but an example of this would be Judas. Judas follows Christ during his ministry. He seems to believe that uh, you know that Jesus has something going for him. He's seeing miracles and all sorts of stuff. But the point is, is that his faith is not full in that it doesn't bring about the change to follow him unto death. To to follow he him, he doesn't
2: love Yeshua. When, when right. the rubber meets the road, he chooses the world over Yeshua. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's. But does that mean Yeshua withheld? from judas no yeshua didn't yeshua loved them all all his disciples equally even if he knew what the what judas's path was here's another side to this is why why did saul of tarsus have to change anything if he kept the sabbath right i mean he paul would agree with or saul rather saul of tarsus would agree with all that you know the torah is good and just and righteous we must keep the torah people who don't keep the torah uh are su- suspicious at best, or need to be taught the truth, but we can't compromise. Why did what had to change about Saul of Tarsus? Yeah, the heart. Why did you, Pharisees who kept the kept the Sabbath really pristinely? Yeshua said, "Well, you say we see, therefore your sin remains." So what's their what's their problem? The problem that Yeshua solves for us is one that doesn't it doesn't matter whether we come from a pharisaic background right. or a pagan, pagan background ba- yeah. or an atheist background yeah and so we have to understand that when we come to understand the torah of the messiah we don't we don't we're not just all become card carrying members of the pharisees right no otherwise if the pharisees were had the answer then Yeshua died in vain. Right. So therefore, we we have to orient our hermeneutic around the person of Yeshua. And so wait, the, now the the I do want I commandments wanna... compel us. We're, we're mandated mandated to love other believers. To 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 believe the best about other believers. To hold our own zeal in suspicion. We have to look at our own motives suspiciously and to be transformed by messiah's love so uh, if someone really feels that they their faith that they're in a place where they could not imagine stepping into a reformed sunday church for example then don't go don't don't put yourself in a situation where you think that just i don't and i don't hear caleb for telling people they should go do this right no caleb saying look this is an option and there is, there is a way to do this. It's he's a not, difficult he's option. Not telling, too. He's not telling everybody to do this. And if it doesn't fit for you, that's, that's okay. But that to me is not justification to say that Caleb is compromising. I, so that's, that's my so, view. So the, I, I want to give a little
1: bit of grace here. Amber does write back and she says our salvation is through Yeshua. So, good, good, good. which is, which is right on. I agree with that. Um, to Anthony's point, what I said ultimately was Christ should have told that to the, to the uh, thief on, this, on the cross. It doesn't matter what you're, what you're, you know, that you believe. It doesn't matter that you've proclaimed me as, as God. What matters is, your, is faith and works, and your works have not shown it. Therefore, I'm not going to see you today in paradise. That's not what he says, right? He says, "Today, I will be with you in paradise." Here is the thing: is that I think that when we when we start to say, uh, "I am not going to associate with people that are saved," and obviously Anthony doesn't believe that those who are in the church uh, are saved, and I and, and to me, I think that that is a that that's the real problem here: is that people who are proclaiming um, Christ as Lord, who are living as uh, as best they know how, and as their teachers have taught them to follow Christ, um, and not only that, but they are keeping a majority of the of the Torah, and they're doing so believing not that they're saving themselves, but that God is the Savior, that Yeshua is the Savior. They're putting their trust that their sins have been been done away with because of the work that Christ did and not their own work. Amen. I, I think that this is, is what uh, is saving faith. When we come under I, the complete lordship yeah. of, of God.
2: I don't think that, I I, I look at my own story, Yeshua doesn't love me more today than he did at any other point in my life. So what's changed? What's changed is me and my capacity to be, to, to my capacity to glimpse more and more his right. awesomeness. That's right. what's changed. He hasn't changed. So if, if, if someone says they believe in Yeshua, I would take them at their word. Well, I think we need, to, I think we're supposed to grant them that until they demonstrate otherwise somehow. And we want to lead with mercy. So what we're like, okay, you know, must I interpret everything this Christian does as anti-God? It just doesn't make sense to me ultimately. I well, might not agree with their interpretations, but I, but I should at least try to lead with a generous interpretation. That is like, okay, what's the most generous story? Okay, they probably don't fully understand. They've probably have been taught certain things. But I, there's times in my life, still, there's stuff I need to learn and stuff I don't understand. And Yeshua's loving me right through it, you know.
1: I think it's interesting that people who are so—and you know, I, I agree with Rob in this. I, I've been in this place. I have been the person who is saying, oh, the, you know, the people in the church, they—you know, I've been that guy. I've been the Torah terrorist before. But when, when you step back and you think to yourself, the people that you're condemning— are responsible for not only retaining the canon,
2: but also for translating it into the book that you're reading. I think about how many people I owe, like when it comes to the kingdom, if I can like trace down the genealogy of faith, like who, who transmitted the faith, you know, that ended up where me, where I hear, like, am I going to criticize all those people for that they kept Sunday, or that they, you know, ate ham on Easter, or whatever. I, I, what? That's up to God to do that, not me. Yeah, that's not my. I'm grateful that they. <laughs> how does God use
1: what they? How does God use someone like Martin Luther and the Catholic and the Roman oh Catholic golly, Church? Yeah, exactly. It's
2: yeah. Anyway, okay. oh, King David, right? I mean, King David. <laughs> yeah. Like, right? I mean, we 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 see. It's not about, and this is what I love in Romans. Oh, you know, it's not about man who wills or works. It's about God who has mercy. Yeah. That's okay. That's crucial.
1: Um, if you want to send us uh, some, something to talk about, you can do so. Cheg at TorahResource.com is my email address, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can also shoot us a voicemail. You won't talk to us. You'll just talk to a voice machine an answering machine, and you can tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us, whatever, it doesn't really matter. 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. Don't forget to visit Messiah Matters for anything that you want relating to Messiah Matters. And of course, this show is produced by Torah Resource. Thank you everyone in the chat room for being in the chat room today. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why because Messiah matters.